Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. All right. Good day, everyone. This is CJ, and very excited to be delivering another edition of Hanging with Harley, uh, Harley Slinger of LaRouche Pack, and also the Schiller Institute uh, here at Rogue. We're very thankful for all the wonderful work that Harley does and, and the information that comes out from the organizations that he works with. Uh, so let's let's jump right into it. Harley, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. Doing great. Excellent. Very good. Well, lots of Lots of happening, Harley, and I think it's it's you know very important right now for Americans to to focus on uh, what is happening. We are we are witnessing what is being played out as as far as a a coup attempt on the administration, and it's it's very troubling, Harley. It's it's um I I don't you know in in my lifetime I've never witnessed anything like this before. Well, I'm a little older than you, and it hasn't been anything like this in my lifetime either. So, you know, what we should probably start with are some things that people know about, but then I want to brief people on some things that I'm sure most people don't know about, which uh, are equally important in getting a sense of why we have this unprecedented attack on the president and, and the U.S. Constitution. You know, just to start with people know what they know about, you know, you have the Bob Woodward book. Woodward is a known entity. He's been a faker for many years. He's been a, a uh, special source of leaks from the intelligence community. This goes back to the famous Deep Throat, the FBI, top FBI agent who leaked the story to him as they were pulling the coup against Nixon in Watergate. And look, Nixon's not my favorite guy. The but what happened with Watergate? It was a bungled burglary, probably set up by the CIA. Nixon was advised to do a cover-up. Then some of the people who advised him turned on him or may have been against him from the beginning. You had the shadowy presence of George H.W. Bush in there, people like Kissinger. And it was a coup. And it was a coup run through the Washington Post and Bob Woodward. And now we see Woodward in a repeat performance with his new book on Trump, which is based on this, this typical reporting style, which is this idea that he's done hundreds of background interviews in which he promises the people who talk to him anonymity. And so we have to take, for, take his word for it that he talked to people who sat in on meetings with top officials who blabbed about what an imbecile Trump is, how stupid he is, how dangerous he is. He doesn't have quotes from interviews from the people like Mattis or Kelly, but from people who claim to have been there when these quotes were made. Uh, this is what Mattis called a unique form of Washington fiction. And I, I think what we're seeing is that Woodward probably did get a lot of these quotes from people who are part of the deep state. Then we also had on September 5th, the uh, anonymous op-ed in the New York Times, 
which uh, I think Paul Craig Roberts might be onto something. He said he thinks it was the New York Times editorial board that wrote the uh, op-ed, not someone in the administration. But if it was someone in the administration, it was a deep state plant who made the point in the op-ed, this is not the deep state speaking. These are loyal Republicans. And then what was the main issue? Trump has a preference for autocrats and dictators, referring to Kim Jong-un and Putin. Now, let's take a step back from that. In the last days, Kim Jong-un came out and said he intends to fulfill the denuclearization pledge during Trump's first term in office. Now, instead of celebrating that, the deep state types and the, the author of this op-ed, whoever he or she may be, say that Trump is, is coddling dictators. Well, do we want to have wars or not? You know, the same thing, you know, I, I was in the U.S. last week, CJ, and I, I had the misfortune of watching the wall-to-wall coverage of the burial of John McCain. <laughs> and the, the, the same Democrats who jumped to John Brennan's defense we're now crying crocodile tears over McCain. McCain was a, a, a warmonger. He and Brennan shared a commitment to regime change, whether it was working together with jihadists in Syria or with Nazis in Ukraine. And the fact that you have such a collective memory loss, the Democrats who in the past were suspicious of the CIA and the FBI who didn't trust McCain because of his work with the Iraq war, pushing the Iraq war, pushing for war with Iran, all of a sudden embracing him. So you have this coming together of the elements that are the coup. You have Mueller continuing to do his work. You had the McCain-Brennan show. And then you had the Woodward book and the, the um, uh, anonymous interview in the New York Times or uh, op-ed in the New York Times. Now, there's one other feature to this. Naturally, what would a coup be without a British connection? You have Theresa May uh, making the Keystone cops look like serious counter-terror investigators uh, with her announcement that they've discovered two nameless people whose names they don't have, whose pictures they have, who supposedly walked through the airport with a perfume bottle filled of, with a deadly nerve agent, which, by the way, didn't kill the alleged targets, uh, claiming that they now have the evidence that it's the Russians. And at the same time, you have the White Helmets and, and other groups that are tied to jihadists in Syria preparing for a false flag chemical attack in Idlib province. Now, these all smack of desperation. And here's the point that I think people need to, to grasp. Uh, Trump made a comment at a Billings, Montana rally yesterday, which is really important. He said, if the Democrats win in the House, there probably will be an impeachment uh, uh, case brought against him. And if he's impeached, it's their fault for not mobilizing. Now, that's an important point because people who are waiting for Trump or waiting for the, the so-called white helmets who are allegedly being uh, pushed forward by QAnon, you know, the, the, the basic point here is there's an intelligence war going on and Trump is fighting and some of the Trump supporters are fighting, but most of the American people are spectators. And then you have on the other side, the Soros, Tom Steyer networks, Antifa, crazed environmentalists and uh, 
various gender groups who are in a complete lather trying to get rid of Trump and pushing policies that will lead us to war with Russia. So what Trump said about you have to go out and make this midterm election about whether you think I'm doing the right thing or not, that's the reality here. And it will be small margins that will determine the outcome of the vote on November 6th. But those small margins are crucial. And people who voted for Trump in 2016, people who don't trust the deep state, who don't like the Clinton, Obama, Bush networks, have a responsibility to go out and organize. And so just in terms of the, the dangers we face, I think it's, it's very clear that the coup faction has been uh, geared up and is on steroids right now because of their fear that the same dynamic that got Trump elected in 2016, that has gotten uh, anti-establishment parties elected in Italy, in Austria, that was part of Brexit, uh, that's in Hungary and Poland and elsewhere, uh, that that dynamic is still out there waiting to be tapped. And it looks like Trump is going to tap it. And people who, whether you agree with everything Trump does or not, isn't the point. It's, uh, I think, uh, this is one thing that people probably haven't heard, but a man named Willy Wimmer, former top defense official in the German defense ministry during the coal regime, uh, did an interview a couple days ago. And he said, the deep state is going for war with Russia and the Russians will not back down. So if Trump is removed, we will probably have a war in 2019 that will be the worst war we've ever had and could possibly be a nuclear destruction of humanity. So that's what's at stake. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts basically said the same thing. So keep that in mind when you're complaining about Trump not doing this or not doing that, or when you're sitting there trying to decode these reports about who's part of the 300,000 sealed indictments, and instead get off your ass and go out and mobilize as though your life depends on it, because it does. Very well said, Harley. I, I completely agree. It's, it's uh, you know, we cannot be flat-footed going into these midterms, and people need to completely wake up. I completely agree with what you said, that it is is time to mobilize, to bring forth because that we know what the deep state is wanting here they're wanting to take control of the house or take control of the senate and we know what that's going to lead to so uh, harley thank you so much for that and uh harley what else is on your radar well and, and just one other point very simply the democrats at least some of the democratic insiders are not sure that they can take the senate and even if they took the senate you need a two-thirds majority to convict with impeachment what they're going for is, first of all, taking the House so they can take the committee chairmanships away from Republicans and put them in the hands of, of lunatics like Adam Schiff. So that instead of having Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy and, and Jim Jordan and others uh, running a, a, an offensive against the corrupt elements in the Justice Department, you would have the supporters of Comey and Mueller running those committees. Now, under those circumstances, they're going to use the Woodward book. They're going to use the, the old strategy of convincing weak Republicans or Bush Republicans to get rid of Trump. And so the impeachment scenario is real. 
And I take to heart what Paul Craig Roberts and Billy Vimmer said. If Trump is impeached, the greatest threat to the war, in other words, the greatest potential to stop war, uh, would be removed. And so that, that in itself is crucial. Now, the other side of this is there are incredible things going on in the world that, that we can't lose sight of that offer the potential uh, if we can get rid of Russiagate, for the United States to join with an emerging uh, economic powerhouse that will ensure that we go into the next couple decades with the strongest economy the world has ever seen. And I'm referring to, in particular, what came out of this conference in Beijing this last week, which was almost given no coverage in the United States. There were 50 heads of state that is five zero heads of state from African countries in Beijing, signing all kinds of bilateral and multilateral agreements with the Chinese, uh, $60 billion worth of agreements over the next three years for high-speed rail, power plants, dams, uh, schools, uh, hospitals. And while this is going on, you have some of the naysayers writing in the Washington Post and the New York Times and, and The Economist saying China is launching a debt trap against African countries. Well, the, the African leaders addressed this in Beijing. The Nigerian president, the head of the African Union, they said this is no debt trap. The debt trap is what the old colonial powers did. They built up our debt while doing nothing but setting up the ability to extract our resources and take them out of our countries. And the only roads they built were inside their guarded or their gated enclaves. The African governments are saying, we want this. This is something we're committed to. And if it works the way it's working so far, we'll be able to pay the debt because we're producing something as opposed to taking on debt merely to run governments that do nothing. So you have this operation going on in Africa. Now, at the same time, there was a, a very interesting development that, that was just reported yesterday that the Indian government is no longer going to buy treasuries. They may be dumping their treasuries. What do you think they're buying? Gold. So you have another one of these powers. You have Russia, China, Japan, India, moving into this potential for gold-backed currencies or minimally doing trade in their own currencies uh, moving outside of the collapsing Western financial system. So if you have on the one side this development of an economic powerhouse based on uh, advanced science and technology and infrastructure, uh, advanced processes and manufacturing going on not just in, in China, Russia and elsewhere, but in Italy, in Greece, in Spain. And I, I assure you sooner or later, the German people are going to wake up and throw out this, this absurd government they have and bring in a government that's going to invest in rebuilding German technology and, and infrastructure. Uh, it's not going to come from the so-called alternative for Deutschland. It's going to come from the Mittelstand, the medium and small enterprises that make up the powerhouse of the German economy. And if you have something like that, with Trump still in office, the United States would be a part of this. Trump will eventually resolve the problem, the trade problem with China. 
the United States will eventually, if Trump stays in, participate in the Belt and Road Initiative. And we're going to see the city of London, the Brussels bankers, the Frankfurt bankers, and Wall Street drown in their own uncollectible debt, which will probably be forgiven, which means they'll have nothing. But you'll have a new financial system that will emerge from this, which is based on connection to gold, some form of gold reserve, but more importantly, credit for physical production, because physical product <clears throat> adds value to an economy that speculative wealth can never uh, accomplish. And so this is what LaRouche has been fighting for for decades. And we're seeing this emerge. And this is why the establishment is so committed to getting rid of Trump, not because Trump understands all of this, but because Trump doesn't like the existing system. He's done everything he can to make clear that he wants to overturn everything that was done by Bush and Obama uh, and that he has no tolerance for the special relationship with the British. He's no willingness to go along with the NATO policies of expansion to the Russian borders. And he doesn't want the U.S. involved in re regime change wars. That is a revolution. You know, forget all the other things associated with Trump. If he does that and moves toward bilateral and multilateral agreements on trade, we'll be in a totally new ballgame. And it will be at the expense of the people who have run the world off the cliff, the globalists, the elites, whether they're the uh, British banking networks, there's satrapies in, uh, among the Zionists, the Saudis and others, uh, the neocons, the neoliberals, they're finished. They've proven their incompetence. The only thing they can do is run coups and wars. And if we can beat them, if we can put together a global alliance centered around Russia, China, India, and the United States. It's the end of the private banking cartels, the end of central bank funny money policies. And this is what I think most of your, your listeners would like. So they ought to make sure they're studying these issues. Uh, we just put out a paper that's available on the Schiller Institute website, which refutes the argument that China is setting up a debt trap in Africa and goes through, in fact, what are the real principles of physical economics? So I, I think there's a lot of material out there that people can look at. Uh, I just wrote an article on the, uh, uh, the escalation of the Russiagate case, which I'd make available to anyone who sends me an email. Uh, just send it to harleysch at gmail.com and I'll send it out to you. So I think it's a moment of great promise. But we can't be stuck with our heads in the sand or our sitting on our couches commenting and whining and complaining or complaining about Trump, complaining about the deep state. Let's get out there and beat the crap out of them. Very well said, Harley. Very well said. Uh, Harley, I wanted to ask in regards to most recent information regarding you know Trump and to move forward with these uh, additional $200 billion in China tariffs. Uh, what what's what's driving that Harley? Obviously, we know we have a, you know pretty massive trade deficit, but obviously those are hindering the ability of the administration of of yeah. making the economic ties you know with China. You're you're absolutely right, and I'll tell you what's driving it is number one, Trump is very much attuned to the fact that we have a growing trade deficit with China. 
which in the past he said was not China's fault. They were taking advantage of the terrible trade deals that were signed under Bush and Obama. But he's got a hardliner in there, Peter Navarro, who I think should be fired, uh, who has a bug up his butt about China. Uh, Lighthizer is a little bit different, but he's going along with this hard line, thinking that this is the way to get something done. Now, what Trump keeps saying, and I think we can take him at his word on this, is that if we could get a few more concessions from China that would enable us to see progress on lowering the deficit, he's prepared to go into much more major policy uh, collaboration with Xi Jinping, who he keeps saying is a great guy and is his great friend. So I think we're driven on the one hand by Trump's honest desire to do something about a trade deficit, but the fact that the people who are actually negotiating, and I think Kudlow's another problem on this, uh, don't know what they're doing. The idea that somehow you're going to punish China by putting tariffs on their goods you know, I, I just read something today that you, you have Apple and a number of other companies in the United States that rely on Chinese products for their, their goods, for their uh, production, uh, saying, look, this is going to price us out of the market in the United States if these tariffs go through. So there's nothing wrong with hardline negotiations, but you have to have a certain give and take there. And I, I think in the long term, this can be solved. But in the short term, the other problem you have is that I don't think Trump is able to fully concentrate on these things because of the fact that every time he turns around, he's got four more arrows in his back from, from these enemies. Uh, you know, one of the other things to look at is that while there was some concern that maybe China was dragging its feet or, or telling North Korea to drag its feet, in fact, the uh, Kim's statement the other day that he will denuclearize, the fact that you have a, a very high-level summit coming up between North and South Korea, the fact that the Chinese are continuing to tell the North Koreans they're not going to relax the sanctions until these projects are fulfilled, shows that the negotiations that Trump did with Xi Jinping have borne fruit. And I don't think he wants to lose that. So I think they, they've got to uh, pull back the mad dogs like Navarro, and uh, sit down and, and really think about what the, what the real issue is. And, and what's the real problem with the trade deficit? It's that we're not manufacturing anymore. And why is that? Well, two things. One is the free trade agreements that made it more profitable for American firms to go overseas to produce or for companies to buy parts from overseas producers. And secondly, credit policies that provide no credit to American manufacturers. Now, you're not going to solve either of those problems by punishing China. And I think on the one side, Trump is getting rid of some of these bad trade agreements. Uh, I'm hopeful that this agreement with Mexico will be a good one. Uh, it looks like it's moving in the right direction. Uh, and then secondly, he's got to go back to his campaign promise to take the power away from speculators and from Wall Street and actually establish a national credit policy in which there's credit provided, uh, in some cases from, uh, uh, for example, an infrastructure bank run by the government. That doesn't mean the government builds the infrastructure, as, as some idiots would say, the, the promoters of public-private partnerships. 
It means that the government ensures that there will be credit from public and private sources that will actually get into real infrastructure projects. And Trump made promises on this. He hasn't been able to deliver, partly because of obstruction from the Democrats and the Republicans. So if he does those things, then I think we can resolve the problems with China. Uh, but I think, again, the overriding issue is that he's been forced to concentrate on the, the situation with Russia. I mean, look how crazy it is, CJ. If he says something nice about Putin, you get Brennan uh, uh, flapping his yap about how this proves that Trump is in Putin's pocket. So, you know, you, you can't do anything under these circumstances except identify the corrupt networks that worked with British intelligence to concoct Russiagate, the corruption inside the Justice Department and the FBI and the CIA, root it out and make sure that U.S. intelligence services serve the interests of the American people and not private banks and corporations. Absolutely. Harley, just uh, also real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts regarding the emerging markets, uh, the ECB's exposure to uh, the Turkey lira, what's happening there. And then also there's a recent report, Harley, that came out that China has uh, really put pressure on one of the largest investors of Deutsche Bank to pull out all, hold, all holdings of yeah. them. How, how, how much impact and in, in what specifically is happening right now in Germany and the, in, in the European Central Banks? Well, with Deutsche Bank, you know, their stock has fallen to an all-time low. Commerzbank, the other big bank, its stock is at an all-time low. Uh, Deutsche Bank was somewhat bailed out by this Chinese company, which is now looking at the books and realizes that there's a hole there, a huge hole in its derivatives uh, uh, section, you know, $47 trillion, I think, in derivative valuations. And Deutsche Bank is trying to separate the derivatives from the commercial banking. But it's a very difficult thing to do unless you do a full-scale banking reorganization. And Merkel's afraid of that because the speculators will lose if they do that. So as long as they try to protect the speculative side of banks like Deutsche Bank, and it's also Royal Bank of Scotland has the same problem, uh, Scotiabank, uh, Santander, all the big European banks have this problem of uh, uncovered derivative obligations and also bad emerging market debt and corporate debt. So unless they go with a kind of a European-wide Glass-Steagall and a write-down or write-off of bad debt, they're not going to solve the problem. So when you hear people talking about Argentina or Turkey, well, we've got a bigger problem in the, the Western financial system. Now, the Argentine problem, you have this guy, Macri, who came in as a Wall Street uh, wonder boy who carried out Wall Street reforms and it's collapsed the Argentine peso. And the idea that austerity is going to solve the problem is absurd. It never has and never will. Uh, the Turkey situation is a little different because Erdogan is playing a key strategic role. I think we've seen Merkel, who has all kinds of reasons to oppose Erdogan, suddenly deciding that, that Germany has to support Turkey. This may have to do with the warming of German-Russian relations because Putin is working with Erdogan to make sure that they can 
peacefully, uh, or I should say collaborate to crush the terrorists in Idlib province, as opposed to running into interference from Turkey. So you have strategic concerns that overlap the, the financial concerns. But look, with the emerging markets, many of these countries were told they can borrow unlimited amounts of money under the quantitative easing plans and use that to pay their ongoing expenses for government. And so they didn't do the structural reforms that were necessary, which is not austerity, but figuring out how to generate flows of credit to physical production and trade. And so you have countries that now with the interest rates starting to go up, have no chance of refinancing their debt. <clears throat> so that's the emerging market crisis. The only way to deal with this is to write off or write down some of this debt and reorganize the, the rest of it and figure out how to turn some of this credit flow into physical production and trade. And the only game in town for that right now is China. And you'll find that China is very active in South and Central America as well as in Africa. And also the Chinese are involved in, in Europe. But as the Deutsche Bank case shows, the Chinese are not going to give a blank check to European banks that are still incompetent and uh, totally engaged in speculation. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Harley, any closing thoughts? And then please also share how our listeners can uh, continue learning more about the Schiller Institute, about LaRouche Pack as well, please. Well, the two places to go are LaRouchePack.com and SchillerInstitute.com. That's S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R Institute.com. And also for my blog, <coughs> excuse me, if people are interested in a link to that, or, so you can get my recent articles, just send me an email at harleysch at gmail.com and I'll get back to you. Okay, very good. Harley, thank you so much. Really appreciate it for our listeners. Uh, please like, share, also subscribe. And uh, thank you all for listening in. Uh, Harley, thank you once again for your time today. Really appreciate uh, your insights. All right, CJ, talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you.